Hey guys, Paul Reddick here. Welcome to the Baseball Dads Podcast. The world of baseball and the youth and especially the high school game is changing so rapidly. These rapid changes are bringing about a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration for today's parents that are trying to bring their son up in the game. So the purpose of this podcast is to use the experience of dads who have already gone through this journey and have navigated it successfully so we could take aim at that confusion and frustration and knock it out. We're going to talk to these dads about what they did right, about what they did wrong, what they would do more of, what they would do less of, and they're going to give you their advice for today's parents that are going through this game. So stay tuned for today's podcast. And make sure you go to BaseballDadsNewsletter.com where you can get a free trial in our monthly Baseball Dads Newsletter. So without any further delay, let's get on to today's show. Hey everyone, Paul Reddick here with another edition of Baseball Dads Podcast. My guest today is Atanas Village. So Atanas, welcome to Baseball Dads Podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. So we connected, uh, I think, through U.S. US all of the videos that we put out. Um, I think we connected on the early developing players and underqualified coaches, if I remember correctly. Um, and we kind of started having email dialogue back and forth, and you told me about this program that you've started and you are running in uh, the Detroit area. So why don't you tell a little bit about you and then about this great program you created. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, I want to thank you, Paul, for your commitment to uh, young men and young women who are playing you know, baseball across our country. I think it's a, uh, a wonderful, valuable um, craft that you have, and you obviously care. And um, that, that's not missed by you know dads who have sons and daughters, and moms who have dad, uh, you know, sons and daughters that, that, that play the sport. So I want to thank you. Uh, for your ongoing commitment, uh, it's it's very meaningful. But so I'm a I'm a so I live in the in the Detroit area. The reason I mention that is it's a cold climate, and uh, there are, um, I think you're in the Pittsburgh area. So as you know, I'm in you know there are oh you're in Jersey. My bad. That's my, yep. my bad. Yep. Right, right. Maybe a pirate's hat. So I'm always I'm always yeah. yep. back on the pirate <laughs> on, on the pirate's hat. But um, yeah, I'm up here in the Detroit area, and uh, I'm a I'm a father of three boys. Um, yeah, I grew up I grew up in a family of uh, of uh, seven kids, and uh, we were actually we were actually actually I played a lot of hockey growing up. I played travel hockey, um, probably more than baseball. Uh, probably a hundred games, maybe a hundred and ten games travel hockey. So uh, Detroit, as a lot of people may know, is is it's, it's probably the number one market for sending players to the pros, and it's a, just a huge, huge hockey market here and so forth. But the reason I mention that is I got married to a girl, and uh, uh, my wife now of 20 years, and um, I'll never forget when when uh, my son was three, and uh, I took him over to the sports store to go buy some ice skates. My wife says, "Well, what are you doing?" They said, "Well, you know, I, I played hockey till you know first year in college and in travel hockey. I was in you know Ontario, you know, three weeks out of the four weeks every weekend and so forth. And they said, oh, boys going to play hockey." And she says, "Well, I'm not going to be a drive mom." And I'm like, "Well, what are you talking about?" And she says, "Well," she says, "Where I grew up over here in the east side of a you know, suburb of, of Detroit, um, you know, my my brother uh, who who was a very talented." Uh, athlete in several sports, you know, he would walk to the football field, he'd walk to the baseball field, he'd, he'd basically 
walk everywhere or ride his bike. So when I realized that she was serious and I realized that the, 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 the prospects of me being a, a hockey dad without driving, uh, I said, well, well, this is easy, honey. I said, we're going to be a baseball family. And and so she says to me, she says, oh, baseball. She says, oh, that's great. That's like picnics and hanging out with the girls. And <laughs> little little did she know, Paul, <laughs> that I would that I would uh, you know with our third boy, we would go on to uh, you know create a little organization where we would sort of do it like uh, with a lot of aspects that we had in the travel hockey and you know we play a lot of uh, we play we play a lot of baseball so that's kind of the big laugher, but it is a good entree into the psychology uh, relative to community, and my wife Patty, you know, she said something that was sort of prophetic as I think about it right now, and, and it was around the idea that as a sister, she was able, and she was really blessed, and her family was blessed, <clears throat> to be able to live in a community where her brother could walk to the ball field. So kind of an old-time community that was, you know, laid out in the... 1920s where you know all the streets are sort of perpendicular and so forth and it's a walkable you know walkable bike riding type community and it's probably no great mystery that out of that came a uh, a very strong community based little league and subsequently for me you know my start with my boys was uh that guy had three boys was through the you know, it was through the the local Little League. So, you know, never, you know, I remember, you know, my, my memories of Little League were very, very faint. I remember when I was a kid and, and my dad, uh, you know, my dad would coach a team. Um, but I didn't have a lot of, you know, thoughts beyond that. I, I played baseball, uh, you know, through high school, but um, and played one year, you know, one year of college. I'm sorry? Oh, no, just say, I just say. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry about that. So, um, so interestingly, though, this this the, the geography, which I had never even thought about before, uh, had an effect in terms of how I started uh, mentoring my boys, you know, around around baseball. And in this this community that I live, they've had little league since 1951. So there are, you know, maybe three generations of. Um, you know, moms and dads and families that have been a part of it. I mean, it's probably no great surprise that, you know, their fields are really well looked after by, um, by the, by the community. Again, mostly the, the moms and dads, uh, that have lived here for, for a long time. So I, I brought up my first boy who's now 17, um, through, through Little League. And I started out, uh, you know, coaching his team. And, uh, you know, as, as a little guy, you know, five, six, seven years old. And I'd probably like the typical dad. I was, you know, I thought that, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the sun wouldn't rise if the, if the seven year olds didn't, uh, win the game and so forth. And I was kind of the typical competitive first son, um, dad who was holding on way too tight. <laughs> Is how I'll describe it. It was just, you know, way too intense. You know, but I didn't, I didn't, uh, realize it. And it only took another year, a year, maybe two years until such time as I saw a coach in Little League, you know, uh, screaming at the top of his lungs 
that I realized, okay, am I that guy? Am I that dad? And uh, I was happy to say I wasn't that dad, but I was, I was, um, I guess, self-aware enough to realize that I never wanted to be that dad. And from there, I, 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 I think there's a moment. I've had a lot of, I've heard that a lot. Have you? A little, yeah, I think there's a little moment where we see somebody that is maybe acting in a way that violates uh, what we think would be acceptable behavior. But yeah, but really, what really hits us is not only the behavior. I think, at least, this is true for me because I have what some people refer to as an Irish temper. <laughs> so uh, I, when I see people lose it, it kind of hits me a little bit harder because I feel like there's a little bit of that in me. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I feel like, oh, wow, that that that, that really what that looks like. And not that I not that I've done this thing. You almost say like, oh, I see that maybe going there. You know, like yeah. I had the question. I think there's a little bit of that that kind of hits that that wakes up parents and go like, whoa, that's. Yeah, that's over the line, and and you know, and that's uh, that's not a, you know, it's it's it, it, there's a little there's a little bit of that inside of you, you know. Yeah, I agree. I think you're I, I think you're right on uh, for sure. And and I can remember, I can actually remember the guy. I can I can I can as I think back, I, it was a you know hot day. I can I can almost hear it. And uh, um and yeah, so you go home and you have that talk with yourself around um. You know what's going on here? For me, I've come up with this phrase that um, came out of a couple of different disciplines that I've been involved in in my life, and it's it's this question that I will always go back to, and now that I even teach it in, in to my my kids, my players, and in the families, and it's for the sake of what? So we're playing baseball with our child who we love for the sake of what? And we're on a tra- travel team for the sake of what? And we're practicing for the sake of what? And and so for me, it was the first time that I, I had to be really thoughtful and intensive about, you know, what are we doing here with this young, you know, boy that I love? And, uh, and, and how much of me is wrapped up in this? It's about, it's about the boy. And that's sort of the first layer that I found, the first part of the onion that peeled back was taking the me out of it. And, and, and as a as a dad, uh, and, and as a as a as a mom, the couple, um, saying, "Well, this is about developing my son. This is about my son having fun. This is about my son doing something that's that's positive." Um, said another way, this is not about me, right? And I'm sure you've heard that a million times. But I think it's um, I think it's important, right? Because parents, you know, wrap so much up. In their kids, so so you look in the mirror and you say, you know what, this is something great uh, that I'm positive that I'm putting my son into. Um, and then beyond that, you know, it, it again, it took me another couple of years. So once I sort of peeled that back, then I, you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys who, when I do something in life, uh, I want to do it well. And uh, that's just sort of my in my DNA of how I was raised and what my my mother and father were about and, and, and so forth. So I'm sort of I'm sort of built that way. But then I'd ask the next question. <laughs> so you're developing uh, you know, my oldest son's named Christian. So I, I'm developing my son Christian for the sake of what? And I had to pause for a moment again and look at 
what I was putting him in. Like, where was he spending his time? It was always, and, and the takeaway there is that he was, he was lucky. We were lucky that he was in a little league that generally had a wonderful board of volunteers and that had a, a great local little league charter to go with the international little league char- charter and rules. And it really was a safe place. And that was probably the, the first time that I identified with the psychology of the word safe. And, and it's something that has, uh, stuck with me and that I've built upon. Um, you know, when we go to work, you know, if we work with different colleagues, different employees, different people, you know, you, you want the workplace to be safe. If, if we live in a neighborhood, in a society, it has to be safe. Well, certainly if you go on a ball field, and you are part of a team or you're part of a league, it, it has to be safe. So for me, as I, you know, years later would uh, go on to sponsor um, 10 teams, the psychology around uh, physical safety, you know, making sure that the players um, are handling, you know, with, with the nine-year-olds that might be controlling your hands, you know, and not g- giving each other the three stooges doink between the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to with the, to with the, you know, to with the teenagers, the, the psychology around, um, you know, not, not any rough horseplay or, or being careful with the bats. You know, there's a long history in all of baseball about kids dying and kids having, uh, major brain injuries relative to getting hit with, you know, baseball bats. That's probably one of my biggest things I worry about from a safety standpoint, you know, and so forth. And then moving on from there, the the psychology of emotional safety you know this is one that um, takes what I call another level of caring and um, um, is your team if you put your if you put your son in school or your daughter in school you would expect that they would not be physically harmed and you would hope that they would not be emotionally harmed, meaning they would not be demeaned or whatnot. So the same psychology applies, in, in my opinion, even more to that relative to having your son or daughter on a team. So for me and in, in, in our teams and in our program, the emotional um, safety is very important and something we take very seriously. And then the, the third one is the psycho- psychological safety. So when I when we start our seasons, I will have a kickoff dinner, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Macedonian, which is, a, you know, it's across the ocean from Italy, and it's north of Greece, and I was raised in a food family, so everything we did was food, so no, shock, no shocker, Paul, that every time we start <laughs> off a season, I have to sit down with, with my parents and the team, and we sit down and break bread, right, and uh, kind of an old immigrant psychology, but I start with telling the parents, my job or what I what I enjoy doing and what I think is valuable is, is to develop your players in a physically, emotionally, and psychologically safe environment. And um, um, and we and and the coaches that I select, the coaches, um, you know, I could I could have twenty teams, I could have thirty teams, I could have a, I could have a lot of teams, even more teams than the ten teams. But the reason that I you know, this season we'll have 10 is because there are, I coach two of the teams. There are eight other coaches 
who I have seen coach, who I know personally, and who I can, with my own eyes, verify the uh, the tenor of their integrity, if you will. And I can I can vouch for these, you know, these men. I know their families. I know their kids, and I've been around them for many years. So, anyway, that's a long-winded way of of I guess saying that from the from the little league psychology, which incidentally, uh, I think I might have shared this in a note to you, is that for some people, little league's a dirty word. And I remember when, you know, again when when Christian went on and, and he played, you know, at twelve, we did the travel teams. We went down to Atlanta, won a Super NIT at twelve, and you know we're all over the place, you know, across the country, and we've got kind of the hot shot team. But during that during that journey, moving into the 13-year-old year, you know, I once again sort of got a little tap on the shoulder relative to, you know, somebody saying, hey, Atanas, for the sake of what? <laughs> so you're, you're winning this trophy for the sake of what? These kids are winning this trophy. Are they safe? Are they having fun? Are they developing? And for me, that would be the next, sort of the next, um, I guess the next major thing that our program has been about has been about um, developing players uh, in a in a way that we're giving them the physical tools, batting cages, balls, you know, all the sort of physical stuff, and the human resource, the human tools, you know, great coaching, um, access to all the different people that will, you know, help them um, – get to the next level, in a team psychology that's based on the spirit of we. So the spirit of we is, is you know, probably fairly self-explanatory, but my psychology, our psychology relative to team is exactly that. If you're on a team, um, no one person is more important than the other. And, you know, a lot of people raise their eyebrows. They're like, well, if I have a stud pitcher at, you know, 13, who's throwing 75, well, I think, you know, I think maybe you're wrong. To which I would counter, well, if he can throw 75 and then he can run 85 to the catcher's position, put the gear on and catch it, then I guess you got a point. <laughs> you know, then I, then I guess you got a point, right? So, but but quite seriously, I mean, I've had teams, I can remember one team where there was a boy that was, you know, hit hit puberty very early. And uh, from that 12 to 13 year, he was about 6'1", and he was throwing the ball in the 70s, and, you know, he was a foot, you know, taller than everybody. And um, this father, who had who had only, you know, he had had him in the travel um, in travel ball um, since, you know, 7 or 8, and he'd always been sort of the biggest kid and so forth. And he says, you know, I'm going to go into greener pastures and I'm going to move my boy to get another team. And, you know, the coaches came to me. I wasn't coaching that team. I was um, sort of sponsoring it. And they came to me all panicked. You know, geez, what are we going to do? We're going to lose the, you know, the big, the big horse here. And I said, I said, it's not a big deal. Let him, let him go. Let him, let him go. You know, a, a door, a door closes, another one opens. And I had faith in that you know, like a lot of people in business, that if you take care of your customers and if you sort of look at look at it from that psychology, I I view I view the I view the idea that these players and these families are people that I'm serving 
and mm-hmm. in, in essence, you know, in, in essence, they're a customer, so to speak. So I, I had just great faith that, you know, other folks would come in and, and fill that void. And sure enough, you know, um, there were many, many kids who were very talented that came in to fill that spot. But ultimately, I guess the, the, the moral of the story, though, is that the team, that particular team that I'm talking about, five, six years later now, they're 18 years old, 17 years old, they're seniors in high school, and eight of them have been uh, placed in the last uh, 10 months to colleges, now I think five or six of them to D1 schools, um, and there's four kids from that original team that morphed from 12 to 13 who have not been placed in school, and they have such a wonderful spirit and almost like love for each other, for the families and that the eight players, you know, one of them's going to Kentucky, you know, SEC's a lefty throwing 90, another one's throwing 91 down at Perfect Game, and Purdue picked him up. I mean, you got you got kids that are they're playing some big programs, and they all all to a parent and all to a player said, no, we want to go play again this year. We're going to play, you know, we're going to play all the college type tournaments around the Midwest so we can get our other four teammates placed into colleges, and you know, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. But it came. What what makes me feel so good, Paul, is that I know that sort of what started out as guys on a ball team and parents who were sort of put together on a ball team when they were, you know, twelve. You know, they stuck together. They came up together, and they all love each other. And uh, it, it's it's probably one of the most gratifying things to see that. So. Probably no great mystery subsequently that that's what I'm doing with each team, really. And um, I often say, uh, give me give me a character young man in a character family, it, you know, good people, good parents, and give me B, give me B talent, and I'll turn that player into an A with one year or two years. I'll get him there, but I think that that you know. Um, that character is so important to uh, being able to create something from a team standpoint that's special. So, so development. I guess the last thing on development I'd like to share would be that um, um, I, I talk about getting to the next level. So we'll, we'll go out and we'll play whatever the age is. Let's say it's you know ten years old. Um, I'll do an assessment at the beginning of the year and. Um, I'll start with height and weight and and um, if they're pitchers, you know, how do they throw their two-seam, how do they throw their four-seam, can they throw a three-finger change, you know, what can they, you know, basically what can they do. And then I'll ask the boy, I'll say, hey, uh, you know, Jimmy, you know, what three positions do you want to play? And I pick three because I remember when I was playing, you know, a coach would just kind of slam you into one spot. And, I mean, how cold is that, Paul? You get, you know, <laughs> You get a ten-year-old kid who's only going to play in you know, one position because some adult decides that, in the great scheme of things, that's where they're already going to be slotted. So, in any event, I, I start with three, and I, I'll ask you know Jimmy, hey, what, what three positions do you want to play? And he'll say, geez, I want to play third base, I want to be a pitcher, and I want to be a catcher. And then what I'll do on my assessment, I'll I'll, I'll walk over to the parents without Jimmy there, and I'll say, you know, Mr. Jones. What three positions? So when we're going to develop Jimmy, focus on three 
positions this year, what would you like to be? And he'll say, well, you know, I want him to be a center fielder. I want him to be a second baseman. I want him to be a first baseman. And, <laughs> and we always get a good chuckle out of it. That's the time we bring the family together. Like, let's talk about this. You know, where do you guys want us to focus? So, but um, in any event, starting with an assessment and then um, and then setting some goals in terms of where we want to go, and really articulating uh, from a ten-year-old, where do you want to be? Where do we? Where we want to get you when you're uh, eleven? Most ten-year-olds that I have worked with, well, first of all, I'll share this. All of our teams that are 12 and younger play, uh, tr- they play Little League and they play travel. And the reason I do that is that I feel like when, when I went on the Little League website and I saw how important the, the, the you know, they use a term about binding communities together, and I really believe it because I see it in my own community. I felt a sort of like almost a moral responsibility to not take all the great kids, you know, from the area and make sure that they played in the community and, and kept the Little League strong. So our teams, I forced our, our 12 and under teams to play Little League and play fed ball tournaments. So typically, uh, they'll play, you know, tournaments in, uh, they'll play indoor, well, we play indoor tournaments up here, um, during the winter and then, uh, we'll get outside and we'll go down to Lake Ohio. Or Northern Kentucky, uh, for the ones that want to travel, uh, before Little League will kick in in April. We'll play, you know, two or three tournaments in and out of the Little League scenario and then we'll play into fall ball. So for the, for the teams that want to, you know, want to get all that. So, but in any event, the, uh, the little, the, the, the younger kids, their, their dream is to get to Williamsport for the ones that look at the, you know, at the Little League thing. So it, it's, it's often making the tournament team and it's often, you know, getting to these next levels, and whether they do or not is not as important to me in uh, ultimately to the coaches as much as improving them. Um, with the you know twelve, thirteen year olds, we'll talk about, hey, we want you to we want you to be one of the top pitchers on your or one of the starting pitchers, if possible, on your middle school team, or we want you to be the the best catcher that you can be in your middle school team. Make your middle school team, whether it's your middle school. Uh, you know, varsity team with the eighth graders. Uh, when we talk to the 13 year olds, it's about making the freshman high school team and setting those goals and giving them those tools for 60, 90 from 54, 80, which is a huge jump. Um, and then, you know, for those kids, and I know I'm preaching to, I'm preaching to the, the guru here, uh, uh, of getting those, getting those freshmen, you know, to the next level and, you know, preparing them to have a shot at, at, uh, uh, junior varsity varsity and then and then uh you know levels beyond that college. So we do talk about our program though um as a program that's based upon kids that love baseball and have a goal of playing at the college level. And um I have a feeling we're gonna get have a couple players that might be drafted uh that have also you know committed to colleges but I never I never you know it's kind of a dream in the back of everybody's mind but we, we always talk about um Middle school, um, junior varsity, varsity, freshman team, uh, JV, and in high school varsity, and then college, in terms of um, organizing people's thoughts around that. Um, so, so that's up a little bit. Been, yeah, I have been. I don't know people that have listened to this podcast. I've been remarkably silent. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. I have done a, a lot of speaking in my day. I had a lot of other work. I've done Yogi Bear Museum. I was a resident speaker there. 
part of uh, being a part of that organization was uh, we would hold a lot of events where we would have panels, panel discussions. And so I don't know how many panels I was on, dozens. And the rule of a panel is this. When somebody, when somebody is running with the ball, you let them run. And uh, so, so in that role, I understand that when somebody is making shots from every spot on the court, uh, it's not about getting your shots. It's about making sure they get the ball. That was unbelievable. And I just, okay. I've been listening to this. And what I have gleaned from this, from your, this is the best podcast I ever did because I, <laughs> um, here, here's the people that are listening, the coaches, the league, the league directors, the organizers, the guys running academies, the overarching theme here for me, for me, you could tell me if this goes into your, into your theme, Thomas, is community preparation, preparation. The, the, the mission is very clear and communication. So if I, I feel, I, I, I said, to my, said this to myself while I was listening to you, if I were a player in that program, I would know exactly where I stood. And I would know exactly what's coming forward for me. And I feel like I would know that you would outline the challenges for me really well. And I, I, I think that you just laid out a blueprint there that uh, I have been around this game and been doing it for a really long time. And I think that's probably the best blueprint I've ever heard for an organization. So congratulations to you for, for just uh, – and you can tell when somebody is passionate about something and cares about something, um, you know, the effort they put into the details of it. So unbelievable. I'm, I don't even know. I don't have another question. <laughs> is there, well, let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Um, I do have one question. So now, he, here I am. Let's say I'm league – official, lead coach, right? I had just heard this, and now I'm feel, I've got a little bit of uh, envy. You know, I've, I've got a little bit of insecurity maybe around what we've produced. What does the average organization do to start thinking like you? I think, it's, I think it starts with a psychology of, um, of care, care. I call it caring at the highest level. Is the, one of the words we have in the English language is love. And people roll their eyes when I use the word love in a sports setting. They're like, okay, this guy's nuts. But I just think that if you're, if you're an organization or a coach, it's, it's, you're already, uh, you're already to be commended because nobody's paid, right? It's all, they're not supposed to be paid. That's it. Um, you know, all, all of my coaches, myself. Well, let me, let me tell you this. But Let's talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about that. We can talk about I don't know if you saw the video that we did about pitch counts, but this is while we're talking, and I think we're gonna we're, when we email out about this, we're gonna call league directors and league. But here's a very interesting thing that's going on now. Yeah, now pitch counts are being regulated. Right. Right. So states now, in high school at least, little league always have recommendations. Right. Um, so now there's regulation. So after regulation, if regulations don't work, after regulation comes law. And after right. law, what comes after laws? I don't know. <laughs> I'll see. I'll see. I don't know if you're, so if you're spiritual. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. But here's the thing is that where we're heading is that organizations, especially now that these, that the travel ball, these little conglomerates, we've moved from a volunteer coach. And that's kind of been like the absolution, right? Of, okay, if a kid gets hurt, you're not a baseball expert. You're a volunteer coach and, you know, you're here helping kids out and you're a volunteer, right? That's kind of the, you agree. Yeah. But the, now these travel organizations have skirted by underneath the veil of that protection. That they are volunteer. It's not. Now you're a business that's profiting, profiting from this. Now you're subject to regulation, which will soon turn into law. And I promise you, because I've seen this happen with the bat companies. It's why the bat companies switched. Right, for sure, for sure. The, the bat companies switched because they, they, they knew this, it, it was overwhelming what was happening, right? And right. They, were, they were generally yeah. putting weapons in the hands of kids. And, for sure. Um, so this is what this is the next phase. That it's going to happen. Yeah, it's absolutely going to happen. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right on. The uh, it is mandated in Little League. It's it's not a recommendation. It's mandated. You cannot throw you cannot throw a 21st pitch. If you throw a 21st pitch, you have to rest rest a, a day. And Little League coaches know it like they know their social security or their phone number or their address. They say, if you coach enough games, you know these numbers, and you know, the high school that my oldest one goes to it has a, you know, we're lucky to have a uh, little high school, little engine that kid. We got a high school coach who's won four state titles in the last six yeah. years. And we talked the other day and he's like, yeah, it's honest. He goes, I can't believe it. He says, I'm going to have, you know, pitch, pitch limits, rest, you know, mandatory rest days. And I think it comes from Andrews and all those guys out of Little League, like you were saying, yeah. that, that were, you know, were the consultants. So, um, so and, and I, I mean, you, maybe you can obviously check this. I I was uh, looking at something. I thought it might have been perfect game uh, in Arizona that I thought I saw on their uh, pitch count, uh, mandatory pitch counts. But um, I think you're right. I think it's it's coming. No, it was on the and, front page of Collegiate Baseball. This was part of. Uh, I love Collegiate Baseball. They're just reporting. Okay. But in the front page of Baseball, we did a video. It's on our blog if you want to go back um, about pitch count. Um, okay. Where Because it, 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 basically what I said was this wasn't a rule to, about pitchers. This was a rule about grown-ups. Yeah. The, the rule was basically saying we have to protect pitchers from the grown-ups. That if we let you, you'll pitch them more. Right. <laughs> so right. We're putting right. regulation in place. That you can't, yeah. you know, it's impossible for you to, to overuse them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's well. I think, I think the good news is that the, is that is that the you know the leagues and you know I'm not going to mention any of them. I mean, but the, the leagues that are still not following those pitch counts, you're right. It's going to be like it's going to be like the hot bat, and they're going to have to because they're going to be the outlier. Well, the problem is they don't have the pockets that. That company had. Right. That's that's going to be the big difference. That's going to be the big difference. So, yeah. Um, interesting talk. So I, I know I interrupted. I forget where we were when I interrupted you. Um, oh, but more or less thinking like you. Well, I, just, I think we were, we were. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I think we were. We were. Um, 
you would ask the, you would ask the question relative if, if you're a, a league representative or a coach, you know, where, what did you see as a starting point? And, and I, I think it's first, if you're, if you're kind enough and bold enough to, to, to coach or to be a league official, you've already got, you know, one leg in, you might as well put the other leg in. And what, what I mean by that is that, you know, go into it sort of head first, um, meaning, do a little bit of the research. Talk, you know, listen to guys like yourself, Paul. Frankly, and I'm online. You know, I, I'm, I'm a lot of this. You know, I played sports and I'm very athletic. And I come from an athletic family, so a lot of this was was uh, sort of natural to me. But, but, but being a good mentor in sports as an adult, you know, I did a lot of digging and I tried to educate myself and, and be smart and be thoughtful. So I would urge coaches to. Remember that when you step onto a field, you are directing the most precious, valuable thing that any family or any mother and father have, and that's their child. There's nothing more sacred or or demands care than that. And I think about that. You know, I will tell parents, and I would say this to a coach, how would you want your son developed? How would you want your son treated? How would you want your son cared for or your daughter cared for? And if you put that love into it, because you love your you love your kids, if if you I look at these other kids and I I see my own. And in an interesting way, you know, it's kind of funny. What's more, if you'll find this interesting, I don't know if a parent has ever said this. I've, I've coached so many kids and so many teams that. You know, my little 11-year-old, I had a practice. It was, you know, 60-something degrees up here in November, which is odd. So I, I had a practice yesterday, and my 11-year-old, uh, you know, we had about 12 or 13 kids there. My 11-year-old was the only one that was kind of misbehaved, misbehaving, and my kid, right? And so I, I'm sitting there looking at him, and we're all sitting in a circle. By the way, I do everything in a circle. A team of we, it, 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 it uh, emphasizes that we're all equal. So we're sitting there kind of in a circle just talking, and I just get quiet, and I just look to his his buddies on the team, and they all just kind of give him the look, and then my kid kind of falls in line. But it, my, my point is it comes out of, you know, just I poured so much into these other kids that even when my old, own kid gets out of line, you know, I don't really – they sort of check him, you know, in their own way. But, um, yeah, so I would just say it's educating yourself. You know, if you're going to go build a house, and you don't have a carpenter you can hire, I guarantee you're going to go to, you know, Home Depot and learn as much as you can and go online and before you grab a hammer or a saw or a nail. And I think this is, you know, again, you're dealing with people's children. Think about it. I mean, just wrap your head around that. And when, when I think when people really realize that as adults, then a lot of really obvious things fall in line. Um, in terms of how you should care say, for them. I, I would say to parents when they're asking me, like, I'm not sure about this coach, I, I, I ask a simple question. Say, for the, you are the most important uh, adult role model in their life. Your coach is going to be the second most important. Does that coach share your values for your son? Yeah, or great. is that coach just looking for some, or looking to fill a position to win trophies? Because that's his father. So that's two, three, four hours, however they're together. That, that's, he is the surrogate father for you uh, for those few hours. I said the kids going to, you know, when kids are 
college campuses, I tell the dad, I said, that guy is your kid's father for the next four years, during his year 18 to 22. Make sure, don't, don't just listen to see if he can get playing time or what's the field like or the locker room and the, make sure that you, you get, you get the value of yeah. that, of that coach. You're, 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 yeah. Able to do that. yeah. So, very well put. So, so let, let's, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up. What advice would you have? There are dads listening to this that have kids that are seven years old, 18 years old, everything in between. Knowing what you know, knowing what you do, what advice would you have for those dads that are listening? I, I would say make base, baseball a fun game. Make sure yep. that you put them in situations where they have fun. That would be my first thing. It's about fun. I've, I've seen baseball at every level. And whether it's a five-year-old or it's a pro, they all have fun and they all play better and enjoy it when when they're having fun. So, um, so I, I would I would start there. Um, you know, I would try and prepare them. I think your word is excellent. Uh, prepare them. You know, if you send them out on the field and they don't know how to catch, they can get the ball in the face. So I think it's very important as a parent to spend the time to prepare them. You don't have to go out and spend a million dollars to prepare them. You can go in the backyard with a tennis ball to start and in you know, you're Paul. You're much more qualified than I am in terms of you know that whole side of it. Oh, I love the tennis ball to start. I love the tennis. It, it, Actually, just as a side note, when I when I used to we used to have a, a little program for five to seven year olds, we used to get rid of the glove because the kids, yeah. they, they, they can't even squeeze the glove, right? It's just kind of like right. You have to wedge in the glove at the right way at the right time. So we right. take away the gloves and we do tennis balls, ground balls, catch, play catch at the tennis ball. And then uh, you could do that. The gloves become really. Yeah, and, and so I. And so my second, my, my, I guess the last thing that I would say would be, and, and like you, I love this, and 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 um, I would say it's about development, and and your your child developing in a in a safe in a safe way, um, understanding that. You know, what a child is at 10 is very different than what a 15-year-old teenager is after they go through puberty. Um, you and I were talking a little earlier. I did have a son who couldn't make the all-star team at 11, and he grew six inches and put on, like, 35 pounds. And all of a sudden, it, you know, at 15, he's like the big guy on the team. So these they're just developing them, keeping them safe, nourishing them like a plant, if you would that you, you have to care for, and if you, if you sort of take care of them, keep them safe, and uh, just make keep them in environments that are safe, keep them in environments where they can grow and and participate. I don't think they have to be the star at the young, young ages at all. Yeah, they they just need to, an opportunity to grow, and that would, and, uh, yeah, that, that would be, uh, it'd keep, you know, like I said, keep it, Keep it fun and and make friends along the way. It's a small world, and um, uh, I, I, I what I do on our teams if if we go from one year to the next and a player can't make the team or doesn't make the team, what I do on every single team is I make sure that I go find a team for that boy. So and that's just that's just so you want that spirit, you want that idea that you're going to be able to play and um, your boy's going to be able to develop and. And have fun, and at Paul, Paul, you I think you're dead nuts on, but finding those coaches that are like that, you know, finding those programs. Yep, absolutely. So, 
Todd, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Unbelievable information you shared. I think that I think you spoke for a half hour straight, but it was the the the, the best thing I think we've put out on this podcast. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, hold the line one sec. Okay. Thank you, Paul. Hey guys, it's Paul again. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We really hope you got a lot out of it. We have so much more to come for you. And thank you so much for trusting us with your baseball education and also the development with your child. It's something that we take very seriously and really means the world to me and the rest of the staff here at Paul Reddick Baseball and Baseball Dads Podcast. So thank you so much. We would love it if you would leave a five-star rating and a great review of this podcast. That's how it helps us get the word out about the podcast so that other dads can share in this information that we need so much. Also, don't forget to go to Baseball Dads Newsletter where you can get a free trial subscription in our Baseball Dads Newsletter. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I can't tell you what it means to us that you would tune in and we're just loving bringing this information to you. So again, thank you so much and we'll see you on the next show. Hey, it's Paul Reddick. Thanks so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. I want to let you know I have a new book out specifically for Baseball Dads and I would love for you to check it out. You can go to BaseballDadsBook.com all the information is there and a pretty good discount for our podcast listeners. So again, it's baseballdadsbook.com. Thanks.